Welcome to episode 5 of the EISF in Conversation podcast, where we investigate different perspectives and aspects of humanitarian security risk management. Our aim is to raise awareness of security risk management, encourage a better understanding of what security risk management can achieve, and start conversations in and outside the sector. The European Interagency Security Forum, the EISF, is an independent network of security focal points who represent European-based humanitarian NGOs operating internationally. And in this series, we explore how security risk management can enable humanitarian access. My name is Robert Cudmore, and in this penultimate episode of the series, I'm joined by Lisa Riley, the Executive Director of the EISF. Lisa Riley, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Uh, We're talking about the importance of coordination and cooperation in creating a safer environment for aid workers. So, first of all, why don't you just um, refresh us on exactly what you do? Okay, thanks, Robert. I'm the executive director of the European Interagency Security Forum. Quite a mouthful. But the EISF is a peer support network that aims to work with the global safety and security focal points um, of humanitarian and other aid agencies to do what we can to improve staff safety and security in the hope of creating better access and more sustainable access for programs to be implemented. So it sounds like you're the perfect person to ask about why coordination is important. So why is coordination particularly important for improving humanitarian security risk management and therefore access for programmes, would you say? Good question. I think it makes life easier for everybody. We're all working in similar environments with similar issues and problems. And if we each tackle that individually as an organization, we are reinventing the wheel. If we can work together, we can improve our knowledge and our understanding. The context we work in are very complex. If we're just talking to ourselves, then we don't necessarily understand the full picture of what's going on. So the more we coordinate, the better picture that we have. And certainly at a global level, some of the things that we do as EISF are those issues that everybody faces. How do we influence the board of directors? What can we learn from other organizations in terms of developing a better security risk management culture within an organization? Another of the issues that our members have been talking about lately has been around family postings. How do you do that? What do you do when you have staff whose partners are working for a different organisation? And what happens when there are children? Who has responsibility? So if you can um, coordinate and share learnings, it makes it much easier as an organisation to come to some of these decisions. And who does the responsibility fall to? Who should be doing the coordinating? In my opinion, it's sort of anybody and everybody really, anybody who has some responsibility for staff welfare and safety, as well as those who have security risk management specifically as their their role. Okay, and at the organisation level, who do NGOs coordinate with and why? 
I think as a starting point, we coordinate with other NGOs, be that international or local, because we tend to have similar aims, similar goals. We're working in the same space. So it's very helpful to know what other organizations are doing and how. But as well as the other NGOs, there's the UN, um, there's the Saving Lives Together program, which aims to improve coordination between NGOs and the UN doing humanitarian response. But also there's governments, there's donors, EISF. We work with a number of the donor organizations to also improve good practice on their side in terms of making sure there's opportunities to include the resources we need for effective security risk management. And we've talked about um, resistance to security risk management, uh, certainly at an individual level in previous episodes of the podcast. Is there any resistance at the organizational level, do you find? Yes, I think there can be because any organization is just made up from individuals. So it's about what is the organizational culture. And I think this is quite a lot of what we discuss at EISF is around that senior management. How do you make sure that there's buy-in and responsibility and that the whole idea of security risk management is something that's supported from the very top of the organization. And, And this is where understanding how that works, how you should communicate, making sure that you take that the security risk managers at global and strategic level are really effective members of the management team for the organization. And what different bodies are out there that support coordination and cooperation? So I mentioned Saving Lives Together briefly, which is the mechanism with which the UN and the NGOs coordinate to improve humanitarian security and access for humanitarian programs. And that really helps to foster good relations at both the country level but also at the global level and that opportunity to to share information and and help each other to get that sustainable access. And at the organisational level, do you ever find a a conflict of values or is everybody usually on the, the same page regarding different NGOs, the UN, governments, donors, a lot of different players there? I wouldn't necessarily say a conflict of values, perhaps a conflict of interest different organizations have different ways of working. And we always have to remember when we talk about security risk management, it is very organization and context specific. I think in terms of what we're trying to achieve, there's generally commonality. And certainly how we look at it in EISF is we think that our our similarities are greater than our differences. And if I can ask you about the technology at the moment, Can technology be used to support the coordination and cooperation? Definitely. We're seeing a lot of changes these days in terms of how we communicate with each other. The ability to communicate virtually gives us much greater opportunities to speak not only to our own staff, but other organisations to share information in real time, Um, particularly when there are things such as a coup or an uprising, um, a serious incident that happens. We also have to remember the downside, though, and how important it is to maintain those face-to-face relationships for building trust. 
So I think it's careful, it's important that we don't rely on technology just that little bit too much. Okay, so moving forward, how can technology be used to support this uh, new age of coordination and cooperation? Yes, I think technology can make a big difference and we're seeing it uh, regularly as new technologies and new programs enable us to share information much more rapidly and uh, we no longer have to be in the same room for sharing of information um, and there are uh, resources out there that allowed us to do this through a trusted uh, a trusted network though obviously as always we need to be careful about security around IT and comms equipment but many organizations are trying different methods EISF has a chat facility that allows our members to share information. People use WhatsApp groups, Skype, and other more specialized technologies which are coming up onto the market. And it really does help facilitate the rapid sharing of information. Though it does bring to mind an example in Pakistan where it possibly had a downside few years ago when I was working there and there were two explosions heard near Islamabad airport and the information was shared very quickly. We were able to stop movement, stop travel in and out of the airport, making sure that we weren't putting people at extra risk. The information about these explosions came from what we believed to be very trusted sources. It was only after a couple of hours it became apparent that the loud bangs had been caused by two jets flying too low over the airport and were not actually explosions. So it can have downsides, but it's much better to have more information than not enough. It sounds like, you know, everything's going in the right direction. We're learning from experience and we're getting better all the time. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think there's always room for improvement, but I think we definitely work better collectively than we do as individuals. Okay. Any final thoughts, any words of advice, words of wisdom? I think traditionally security and security information has been seen as something that you don't share. And there has been quite a lot of protectionism around that information. But as we grow as a sector, as we learn to trust our colleagues, it can really help to improve what we do, the access that we have, if we can coordinate and collaborate. And I think a final example, I think, to finish from me, which I think um, demonstrates this, a few years ago in Syria, when internationals were still working there and there'd been a number of abductions. There was a particular case where a number of internationals had been abducted. The organization went for a radio silence policy, which meant that there were a lot of rumors flying around. So much so that a couple of weeks later, when a rumor started again around another abduction, we weren't sure whether it was referring to the same incident or a different one. A few weeks after that, a, another un organization was unfortunate enough to have a staff member abducted. But what they did was they went to the local coordination group and said, this has happened in this location. 
This was who was involved. Can you please not share the information any further? And because people had enough information to ensure the well-being of their own staff, they really respected that request to not share information further. And there were far less rumours that went on and decisions were made under a much better basis because of that. And I think to me, that's a good example of let's learn to trust and to share the information that we need to. Let's coordinate and collaborate so we can really improve good practice. Great stuff. Lisa O'Reilly, thank you very much for taking the time today. Thanks, Robert. It's been a pleasure. That was episode five of EISF in Conversation. I hope you'll join us next time for the final episode in the series featuring Michael Kramer from the Swiss government's Federal Department of Foreign Affairs. Meanwhile, if you have any thoughts about this podcast or would like to know more, you can contact us at eisf-info at eisf.eu or simply visit eisf.eu. I'm Robert Cudmore. Thank you for listening.